Welcome to the Mind Design Sports Podcast. I'm Brandon, and in each episode, I'll be talking about sports psychology with the guest speaker. If you want to design your sports experience, you've come to the right place. If you want more tips and insights on how to improve your sports performance mentally, check out our website and other podcasts at mind-designsports.org. Today, we have a very special guest, guest with us, Dr. Peter Kadushin. Dr. Kadushin is a certified mental performance coach where he helps athletes with performance in sports science. His research combines the study of performance, stress management, and mindfulness in sports. He coaches athletes ranging as young as 13 years of age to D1 college athletes, and he helps athletes of all ages that are recovering from injury. In his free time, he enjoys outdoor physical activities, including mountain biking, trail running, and rock climbing. Thank you for joining us, Dr. K, and I'm excited you're here to speak with us as an expert in the field. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brandon. I'm really excited to be here. Cool. So I'm going to just jump right into the questions. And my first question is, could you tell us a little bit about your background and what you do in the field of sports psychology and performance? Yeah, uh, my background is in sport and exercise psychology. uh, And then I work as a mental performance coach. And so you know, my job is really to help performers, mostly athletes, but I've also worked with tactical athletes, you know, first responders, firefighters, et cetera. Uh, really, the goal is to help people perform closer to their physical best more consistently. Got it. So my path my path was um, an interesting one. I was an athlete growing up. I was a wrestler mainly through high school, and I was also a head case. Uh, you know, I'd perform great in practice, uh, and then as soon as I got out, during matches that mattered, uh, I never seemed to go out and wrestle close to my best. And so I, that really started the journey. I did what any nerdy high schooler would do. I went and bought a book on sports psychology and read it and tried to fix myself. And uh, from there, you know, through college and then into graduate school, uh, continued my study of both counseling and, and performance psychology so that I could continue to help performers the, in a way that maybe I'd, I could have used that help when I was younger. That sounds great. And um, on your website, drkcoaching.com, you say that most athletes spend all their time on physical skills and not as much time as the mental aspect. Could you explain what you mean by the mental aspect and what activities does that include? Yeah, I think the the challenge here is if I work on my jump shot uh, for two hours today, like I'm going to see changes, right? More of the basketballs are going through the hoop and that's really satisfying that helps keep me motivated to come back and do it again you know the the challenge behind mental training is that it's a lot harder to see a shift in my ability to manage my energy or my ability to pay attention on purpose uh, especially my ability to refocus after i've gotten distracted and so it can be a lot more difficult to get myself squared away so that i'm making sure that i put the time in to handle the mental side of my performance. And you talk to coaches or athletes and they're gonna tell you that the mind matters, right? The mind's gonna either get in the way or it's going to allow you to play your best. Uh, And so when I think about the mental aspects of training and performance, it really comes down to making sure that I'm taking care of building the skills in practice so that they're there when it's time to perform. Cool. And how much time do you think an athlete athlete should take for mental training, like every day or is it before games? I like to think about mental training a lot like you would your physical training. And so uh, you making sure that you're taking care of your your body outside of the, the technical and the tactical aspects. Right. So making sure that you're flexible, that you're you know foam rolling or stretching out after practice that you're building some strength, but you're doing it with appropriate form. 
right? All of that stuff allows you then to be better when you're out on the field or the pitch or the court. I think the same thing holds true for mental performance and mental training is that uh, we'd want to make sure that you're setting aside some time to just focus on the basic mental skills. And then you're also going to want to make sure that you're spending some time in practice while you're doing your technical and tactical work, working on those skills paired together. Because when I get out to play basketball, I'm not doing some mental stuff in one space and then doing my physical performance in another space. They're both happening at the same time. And so I don't think that it's uh, I can't say, you know, three times a week for 20 minutes is going to work for everyone. And I think that having a consistent practice uh, is really, really important because you can't just practice once in the summer and then hope that your, uh, your capacity is going to be there when you get into the, the middle of the winter and it's, it's championship season. I see. And would you mind giving an example of on the court, thinking about the mental aspect alongside the physical? Sure. So I think that, you know, let's use attention control uh, and mindfulness as like uh, example skill. And so paying attention on purpose to the thing that's most important right now. And uh, that's one of the things that I teach a lot of athletes is to use win as a uh, a sort of a trigger. And so win stands for what's important now. And so it's a way of reminding myself that like right now in this exact moment, not two seconds ago and not two seconds from now, what's the one thing that I want to be paying attention to? And so I think every great performer has the ability to do that, to stay present in the moment. Right? But I can't just say, hey, Brandon, go out there. It's a big game, right? I want you to be in the moment. Right. And so we have to work backwards from that. And so then we'd think about, well, in practice, what's the most important thing to be paying attention to? Well, it depends on, is it a drill? Is it conditioning? Are you playing a, a scrimmage? Are you working on certain plays? So I need to know what to pay attention to, but then I also have to have the muscle to control my attention. So then we need to back it up from there and we have to say, okay, well, what do I need to be doing outside of practice? to be able to build that muscle of attention. And so there's specific exercises and drills that you could do to work on paying attention on purpose and then bringing your attention back when you get distracted. So we start there, then we take it to practice. You marry it to basketball or what, to whatever your, your, your sport performance is, right? So that you get into the habit of controlling your attention and then bringing it back to what's most important. And then once you feel really comfortable there, then we bring it into stressful challenging high stakes situations because now you're ready to now you're ready to play and do you think this process of backtracking and thinking it through um is it a long process or is it very short term like a couple days you got it down i think it would be again i always bring it back to what we can see because it's a lot easier to think about physical skills right so thinking about something like your jump shot uh, right, it's not something that you learn how to do it right once and then just do it right over and over again for the rest of forever. And so it's really a process of building a foundation. You want the fundamentals to be sound, right? And then you're going to continue to grow. You're going to continue to add nuance and flavor to all of that so that you can uh, shoot a jump shot in rhythm from the corner, but also from the top of the, the arc and then uh, catch and shoot, but then off the dribble. And all of that can evolve over time. And so it's not something that you can just work on once or work on tomorrow if you have a big game on Sunday. And that's, it's not 
going to give you a solid foundation. And, and here's specifically why I think that's an issue. When the pressure gets going, right, when something's really, really meaningful and I want to win really bad and it matters if I lose, all of my bad habits get exposed, right? If I've cut corners or if I've not done my physical and mental training so that the foundation and the fundamentals are there, right, that's when what I've practiced most is going to show up. So if I've been a little bit lazy and a little bit sloppy during practice and training, right, then all my laziness and sloppiness is going to show up. And I think that is very true for both physical and mental skills. So everything shows on the court is what you're saying. Yeah, and I think that it's not just everything. It's, it's, it's who you are during training and who you are off the court or off the field. Right? Are you sleeping well? Are you eating well? Are you taking good care of yourself? Right? All of that comes out when you're trying to be your best. And you also told me before that you think the difference between practice and performance mindsets is a pretty big challenge for a lot of athletes. Would you mind elaborating on that? Absolutely. I think that athletes have two jobs. And that's it. The first job is to learn as much as they can, as fast as they can. Right? And really that just comes down to getting better every day and getting as much improvement each day as you can. So that's job one. Job two is just then being able to take those lessons learned and perform them under pressure. If I can do job one, but I can't do the other, right? then I'm really great in practice right? Or I continue to get better and better and better. But then whenever the pressure's on, I, I don't show up. And then if you can do that, but you're not working in practice, right? Then you can show up during a big performance, but you don't have the skills and the foundation to build off of to actually uh, operate at your highest level. You said that the first thing you want to do is build knowledge. Do you think that's like reading books or is that playing a lot of competition so you understand and build that wisdom? So it's learning but it's learning all the way around and so what we see with the highest level performers is that they're students of whatever their performance is right they want to know uh not just how to play better basketball as an individual but they want to study the other positions on the court because they want to know where their teammates are going to be and then they're going to study great coaches right so it's not just knowledge of self it's knowledge of the entire sport but then it's also thinking about what am I getting better at today in practice? Am I working on my footwork? Am I working on my, my conditioning? Am I working on my positioning during defense? Or... So it's being really particular and always trying to make progress in training to be able to really build that foundation of excellence when it's time to go out and play. I think the issue happens when we mix these up, right? So athletes start to try and win practice. Right? Winning practice looks like beating the people around me, making more shots, looking better for coach, looking better for my teammates. But here's the issue. If I'm trying to win practice, then I'm never really at the edge of my comfort zone getting better because in order to look good, I have to be doing stuff that I already know how to do, not stuff that I'm bad at. So I think we get stuck in between these two mindsets, training mind and trusting mind. Right, where we're always kind of thinking about what should I be doing better and how should that be unfolding? And man, should my elbow be here or should it be out here? And am I pushing off enough? You know, all these thoughts that come with form and, and technique. And then at the same time, we're also trying to always perform at a high level. And what I'm trying to do with athletes is separate that out. 
right? So when it's time to learn a lot, then you want to be failing. You want to be at the edge of your comfort zone because that's the only way you expand that. But then when it's time to play, you need to take that voice that's always in the background saying, hey, what should I have done better? You know, elbow here, move this way. Ooh, that wasn't good enough. Uh, ooh, what is coach or my parents? What are they going to say after that? You got to take that voice and you got to let that voice go. And that's really what trusting mindset is about is getting into the flow of a game or the flow of your performance and trusting that all the hard work that you've done is going to show up as opposed to having that voice constantly monitoring, kind of like sitting on your shoulder saying like, ooh, that should have been better. Mm, should have tried that instead. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. And what happens if you make a lot of mistakes in practice and then coach isn't like that and he doesn't play you in the games? How how do you think a athlete should respond to that? Mm, see, this is uh, anytime I have access to working with coaches along with their athletes, this is actually something that I, I always make a point of really focusing on early on is that you know, coaches oftentimes want their athletes to look great in practice because they think that means they're going to look great in the next game. Mm-hmm. Right? But again, they're setting up an environment where their athletes are trying to win practice, not trying to get better. And so you know, ideally, if I could wave my magic wand, I would sit down with whichever coach you're talking about and say, look, here's, here's what we're working towards. Now, again, it's also dependent on where you are in a season. Right? If I'm getting ready for... Uh, game three of the Eastern Conference Finals, right now is a good time for me to be really locked into trusting mind. I don't need to be dipping back into training mindset. And, and so it might be appropriate for everybody to really be focusing on practicing like they perform. And, but if we go to the off season or preseason or early season, I think that it's useful for athletes to be really investing in loss. Where am I not the best and how can I really go straight at that? as opposed to just trying to look good or feel good right now. And so yeah. your answer is, I think that, you know, some coach education is useful. I think also, you know, helping athletes feel comfortable to speak up and say, Hey coach, you know, the reason why I didn't look great today is because, you know, I'm really working on this specific aspect of my performance. And actually, could you put some eyes on that next practice or maybe after practice? So you can give me an idea of where I'm still kind of falling short. So you can make coach a part of your, your process during that trusting mind uh, as opposed to feeling like you're competing against them. That's great advice. And just telling them directly and honestly, I think that would be good for those younger athletes that don't know what to do. And um, what do you, would you mind giving advice for those student athletes that do well in practice, but when it comes to games, they find that they're doing not as well? I think what that means is that we've got an overdeveloped training mindset and an underdeveloped trusting mindset. You know, so uh, I shared a little bit with you about me as a wrestler earlier before we started recording. Uh, you know, I was uh, great when there was no, you know, no pressure at all. And I was terrible when there was somebody who was like kind of equal to me because all of a sudden I didn't have the trusting mindset to draw from. And so I think what that means is that we need to then set aside time in practice to work on the trusting mind. And so what that looks like is letting go of the outcome, letting go of what just happened and what's about to happen. Because trusting mind is really about being grounded in this present moment and being with the activity that you're doing. Right. So for me, it was be in this moment of wrestling. Don't be thinking about the move before or the period before. 
and don't think about what it's going to be like to stand on the podium after this match or how terrible it's going to feel if I lose. And so for athletes like that, it's being able to develop and understand what it feels like. You got to know what it feels like to trust. And so you shoot a shot and it, it's a good shot, but it doesn't go in because that happens sometimes, right? You can put up a good shot that doesn't fall, mm-hmm. right? So you put up a good shot, doesn't go in. Training mindset says, all right, let me figure out why that didn't go in. Trusting mindset says next play, right? You're already focused on plugging into whatever the next task is. And so if that's in the middle of the drill, right, the next ball in your hands is the thing that you're paying attention to, right? As opposed to, hey, I wish that shot had gone in. That felt so good. I don't understand why that didn't drop. And so it's practicing that mindset so that it's there for you when it's time to play instead of hoping that you're going to show up and feel great when it's game time. Okay, so you think that trusting mindset is key. And I was also reading through some of your articles on your website, and you mentioned the four core skills of peak performance. Would you mind explaining what that is and just briefly talk about them? Yeah, let me let me break them down and try. Yeah, I, I talk a lot, so I'm going to try and be uh, real good about being specific. The first two skills are process skills, and those are systematic discomfort and strategic evaluation. Systematic discomfort is really what we were just talking about, which is getting comfortable being uncomfortable. So this works for both training mindset and trusting mindset. Training mind, I want to be comfortable doing stuff that I'm not good at because that's the only way I get better. In a trusting mindset, when it's time to go out and play, I want to be comfortable feeling uncomfortable because nobody shows up for the Super Bowl or the NBA finals and says like, ah, no big deal, right? You're going to have some nerves. You're going to be fired up and that might feel like tense or it might be excited, but it's going to have some feelings to it, right? And so we want athletes to get used to what that feels like so that it doesn't mess with their ability to perform. And so you can be systematic about how you build those things into training and game situations so that you just get better and better at being uncomfortable. The second skill is strategic evaluation. And all this is, is making sure that you have a consistent way of looking at how you did today, whether it's training, whether it's performance, a consistent way to look at how you did today that doesn't allow you to get really negative about your capacity as an athlete. So you want to be strategic about what you're looking at. That's not to say like, if you had a terrible game, you don't want to be like, ah, I played great. Cause that's not useful either, but you also don't want to walk away saying I'm the worst athlete that I, you know, I just stink and I'm always going to stink and I'm never going to be any good. And so it's about having some structure around how you evaluate so that you can continue to grow from every single experience and stack a learning opportunity on learning opportunity. And so those are the two process skills. The other two are performance skills. And we already talked about attention control and mindfulness, right? The best athletes, the best performers are paying attention on purpose to one thing in this moment. And when they get distracted, because that's just nature, right? That's how our minds work is we are going to get distracted, right? They have the ability to bring themselves back. And so it's something that they need to practice over and over again, first outside of sport, then in practice, then in games. The other performance skill is energy management. And this one actually, I think, is the start of everything for me because it bridges the gap between the mind and the body. 
right? So energy management is being able to control my energy level, right? So you can feel really amped up and excited, or you can be relaxed. You could feel really cranked up and anxious, or you could be bored or kind of just like uh, super loogie and like tired, right? So each of those states comes with both a physical feeling and then an emotional feeling with it. I want to be able to help athletes control and manage that energy so that you're not too hot, you're not too cold, you get that Goldilocks spot right in between. A great example of this, so I ask athletes all the time, when do you play your best? If one is about to fall asleep and 10 is I'm so amped up, I'm about to run through a brick wall, where do you play your best? And so it, really it's just a matter of closing your eyes and then bringing to mind an experience that you've had where you felt like you were really in flow and you were playing your best. You actually, do you want to do this with me real quick? Sure. All right. So I want you to go ahead and close your eyes and think of a time where you were just crushing it, feeling great. And then again, if one is ready to fall asleep, 10 is so amped, I'm ready to run through a brick wall. Where do you feel like your physical energy was? when you were playing your best. And you can take like 10 or 15 seconds to really recreate the experience before you answer me. I think a four or a five, but probably, a, yeah, probably a four. So here's what's really interesting. Most athletes assume that they need to be cranked up, right? Fired up. And you see athletes doing this before big games where they're like bouncing off the walls or they're getting hyped. Most of the athletes I work with find that as they kind of think through it and really anchor themselves in past performances, right? That your answer is closer to many of their answers, which is I'm actually, I'm relaxed. I'm loose, right? I'm, I'm engaged, right? You're still plugged into the flow of the game, but you're not in the front edge and really crispy and kind of like really tight and really tense. The difference though, is like, if you were getting ready to run a hundred meter sprint, would that number change? Oh, I think definitely it would be more higher, correct? Like an eight or a nine. Right, because like all I have to do is literally run as fast as I can, mm -hmm. as quick as I can. Now, what's interesting is some people might say 10 out of 10 or 11 out of 10, but if you're at 11 out of 10, you're too tense to run fast. So like the athletes that I work with who are doing those types of sports, we find a way so that if they're down at a four, we can crank them up to a six or a seven or an eight. But for athletes whose answer is, I play my best at like a really focused, plugged in four, right? It's, it's relaxed, but it's also like here and present, right? We, what we do is we work backwards from that and say, okay, well, what are the tools we can use that are going to help you get to a four on purpose? You know, and the first two tools are going to be controlling the tension in your body. But really, I think number one for me is controlling breath being able to breathe on purpose in a way that's either going to get me a little more amped or a little bit more relaxed then ripples out and affects not just the rest of my body, but it also changes the way that my mind is working. If I take three deep breaths right now, my mind will change along with my body. And then if I take three power breaths right now, my mind's going to follow that too. And so those are the four core skills of uh, peak performance. And the four of them come together to create constant learning and then the ability to take those skills and show them off when the pressure's on. Yeah, those four skills are like intertwined and I think they're great. And um, so do you think that like a sports like soccer that are more pace, like you have to pace yourself, you think that energy management is lower, like a three and a four? 
Well, I think the interesting thing about, you know, because every sport has its different rhythm. And so for a sport like soccer, depending on what position you play, like you think about the poor goalie that's sitting back there. And if they're on a really good team and they're always, the ball's always on the other side of the pitch, or like they might be down at like a three or a four, but then all of a sudden fast break coming at me, I need to have the ability to dial in my focus and dial in my energy really quick. And so I think the same is true and just slightly less dramatic for other outfield players. It's like, I might need to sprint to a ball and that means that I need to be able to crank up really quick, but I also don't want to stay at an eight or a nine once I've finished my run and now the, the ball's on the other side of the, the pitch. And so then I need to be able to breathe in a way that's going to bring me back down so that I can conserve energy because then I need to crank it up again, maybe, you know, two minutes later. And so each sport has a different rhythm to how their energies shake down. And then each position is going to shift uh, depending on where you're playing. And so I think having those basic skills of being able to really turn the, di uh, the dial up or down at will is one of the first places to start for an athlete. Sounds good. And you, as a mental performance coach, you help people build skills to help themselves and also themselves off the court, for example, like being happy. Um, why is happiness important? And can't an athlete just focus on performance regardless of how happy they are? Yeah, this is this is a great question. And I'm a little biased because uh, my mission is uh, to really make happy, healthy people. Right. And I use sport and performance as a way to teach the skills that are going to help people find meaning in their lives, but really do so in a way that's not going to constantly uh, take away from their ability to enjoy themselves. Right. So my bias is to say that I think that your know, big picture happiness uh, is as important, if not more important than whatever trophies you have in your trophy cabinet. What I will say is that you can look at a wide number of stars of the past and even today who have been willing to sacrifice happiness to be excellent. I don't think you need to be unhappy to perform at a high level, right? But for some people, they skip the important events in their, their lives and they only are totally dialed in and focused on just like, the, that's it, their, their sport and nothing else. And that's a choice and I, I'm not gonna judge anyone for it, right? But at the end of the day, nobody performs their sport forever. And so what I'm really working towards is to try and help athletes of all ages build the skills that aren't just going to help them put a ball in a, a net more consistently right now, right? but also then going to help them when they're finished performing, be able to be better uh, connected to the people around them to do the job or the, the vocation or whatever it is in a more meaningful way, because I think that's, that's long-term success. So I'm sure you've heard of like athletes that um, they, they play well because of anger and anger fuels them to play well. What do you think about that then? Mm, it's another good question. I think that uh, there's it's kind of two answers here. The first answer is uh, my job, if it's working, is not to mess with it. And I think that what I've seen with those types of athletes when they were my teammates uh, and then now that I've worked with a, a whole bunch of athletes since then in a mental performance coach capacity is that if you're always looking for the next thing to get angry about, then you kind of walk around angry all the time. And right? so it kind of goes back to your last question, which is, uh, 
can you be happy and also excellent? And I think that if you lean on the crutch of I have to be angry all the time, right, that you would just want to make sure as an athlete that it's not bleeding into the rest of your life, right, that you're not then focusing on, well, where am I being slighted and who do I need to be working against and proving wrong in the classroom or with my friends and all of that. And having said that, that I know a lot of athletes who perform well when there's a little bit of trash talk, there's a little bit of like me versus you, and uh, that just helps them find the sweet spot, right? So if they need to be a little bit higher, they need to be up at a six or a seven, they might go, ah, that guy's looking at me funny, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really take it to him this game. And so it's a delicate balance. First, I don't want to break anything that's working, but I also want to make sure that you're you're setting yourself up so that you can be happy as a human being, uh, as well as a high-performing uh, athlete. Got it. So let's say that person that's really angry um, is doing well, but then he goes into a slump. Are you going to try to change his emotions up immediately? The slumps are complicated, right? And I guess not so complicated as individual, right? The reason why you might slump is going to be way different than the reason why your teammate might. Now, it may be that emotion and I think it's important to highlight that emotion is an important part of performance. And too often we want to try and either pull it out, right? I just want to go out there and I want to lock in. I want to be a robot. I want to dominate. Or you see the athletes who look like they're 100% fueled on emotion, right? And they ride the highs when they're doing great, but they also then ride the lows when they're not. And what I'm looking for is a balance. I want to find a way to harness the, the good stuff and also the bad stuff, I'm disappointed or how can I package that up to help motivate me tomorrow? Right, or I'm angry right now. How can I bundle up that anger so that when we come out after halftime, I can be more focused and more present and more ready to do my job? And so if it was an athlete who was fueled by anger but was slumped, they, I wouldn't directly say, hey, you need to change your emotions. But what we would do is try and figure out, well, what are we trying to accomplish? We're trying to be ready when it's performance time, right? When it's game time, you want to be physically and emotionally and psychologically ready to do your best. So if it's the anger that's getting in the way, we might explore that, but maybe it's something else. Maybe you're just not sleeping well. And if you're not sleeping well, it's really hard to do anything else well. And so uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of everything. Got it. And also in one of your other articles, you talked about a commander burning his army's boats when they arrive in a foreign land where they have to battle the people there. And they do this so that they might they must fight their hardest to win or else they will die. So they're committed to winning and if they and they trust that they can do it. So how is this applicable to everyday sports for a kid that even though they know that there's another game they could play the next day or the next week? Yeah, I mean, it's just such a dramatic story right like arrive on a foreign shore burn all the boats we either win or we're dead and when you tell the story though you go like that's great but you know i'm just i'm i'm practicing today i'm doing free throw drills it's not mm -hmm. life or death when it comes to commitment because really that was what the story was driving towards for me is to help athletes understand the nature of commitment commitment to me is the end result of controlling your energy, and then paying attention on purpose. So I do those two things, and then I create a state of commitment for myself. And what that looks like is I've done everything I need to do 
as this ball leaves my fingertips, I just got to commit to that shot. I got to let it go. Right. Or if I'm swinging a baseball bat or a softball bat, right. I've done everything mentally and physically. Now I just got to let it go. I'm getting ready for a race, hundred meters or 5k doesn't matter. Right. I've done everything physically and mentally to set myself up uh, from a training standpoint. Now I've activated, controlled my energy. Now I'm paying attention to the right stuff. Now I have to let everything else go. Right. So I burn the boats behind me of all the training that I've done. Right. And all of the outside stuff, the, all the questions, uh, did I eat the right thing this morning? Right. Did I get enough rest? Did I make sure I did my homework so that it's clear and it's out of my mind? Right. All of that gets to fade away if I've accessed this state of commitment. But again, that's something that I need to practice. And this is really, it's synonymous with trusting mindset. Right, is that commitment to this moment, this shot. And if it doesn't go in, you know what? I'm on to the next one. But that for me is really what it's about. And that's why I think it applies when I'm in practice, being fully committed to this moment, right? And then letting that moment go when I'm on to the next thing. You pair that with a consistent, systematic way of evaluating at the end of every practice or at the end of every performance. And, uh, and you have a recipe for, again, learning as much as you can, as fast as you can, and then being great when it's showtime. That's good. And I like that analogy of the burning of the boats. And I think it's like really applicable to us younger student athletes. Um, and my last question is that, would you share an example of a student athlete or a team that you worked with that you think had a common problem that younger athletes might also have and like what changed before and after you worked with them? Yeah, I had, uh, you know, it, some of it's going to sound a lot like what we've talked about, right. In terms of these four core skills, but, uh, I had a basketball athlete that I was working with and I don't just work with basketball, but it, uh, right. The NBA playoffs are happening right now. And so it's all kind of upfront in my mind anyway, but I had a basketball, it was a high school athlete that I was working with and, Again, the big problem here was not being able to perform free, not to, and this was their language was, I want to feel free when I'm out playing, right? I don't want to be thinking too much. I, and you can't think a basketball into a hoop. You can't think a soccer ball into a net. And you want to go out there and you want to play. That's why it's called playing. And so what we worked on was really figuring out how to build boundaries, right? In practice, here's where I'm in trusting mind. And then when it's time to flip this, the, the gears and, and shift over. So there was always a segment of the end of practice that they saved so that they could be in trusting mind and practice trusting mind. And then they'd go and they'd play a game and then we'd break down, well, when did it work and what got in the way? Well, coming off the bench was really challenging because activation and energy, it was hard to get up to the right number because you're sitting and you're getting kind of cold on the end of the bench. So then we built some skill around that. And as you kind of work through that and then continue to build that strategic evaluation system, all of it came together so that this athlete was able to practice and focus on getting better when it was time to get better. But really the end result was that they felt freer to go out and just play and not kind of have that extra like weight on their shoulders. There wasn't this level of worry, like if I miss a shot getting into the game in the second quarter, am I going to get pulled? Is coach going to bench me? Is he going to yell at me? And so when a, a shot didn't go in, it was like, no big deal. I'm just going to go play really hard defense on the other end of the court. And then if I get another opportunity, I'm going to be ready for that. 
So for me, that was a really big shift for that athlete to be able to free themselves up and let go of that extra layer of judgment and then just commit to being in the performance when it was time to perform. But here was the really cool part. So I got on, um, got ready for our meeting and they said, Hey, so I had this really big exam yesterday and I, I didn't know the answer to the first question and I could, I could catch myself starting to get nervous, right? I could feel like my hands and my starting to sweat. My shoulders were getting tense. And you know what I did? I did, uh, I did that breathing technique we talked about and, and I felt myself kind of like let that tension go. And all of a sudden my focus settled back in and I was able to finish the test. And I actually, I think I did great, but I know that if I hadn't done that breathing technique, I probably would have just stayed nervous for the rest of the test. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, was, was that good? And I'm, you know, I laughed and I said, it was perfect, right? For me, performance is performance. And so it's no different on the court, taking a test, having to speak in public, all of that stuff draws from the same set of mental skills. And so for me, that was like a particularly exciting moment was to see that transition without me having to coach it, right? That was just something that they were able to put together like that. Yeah, all those like high stakes and high stress environments, like taking a test or playing music in front of a thousand people, like sports psychology techniques all apply to those situations. And I think that's why like sports psychology is great. And um, do you have anything else you want to add on to anything? Yeah, I guess there's one other thing, and it's really it loops back around to strategic evaluation. But it's it, it's one of the best things that an athlete could start today to make them better, in addition to working on some breathing techniques. Right, and I think uh, it's the, it's super easy. It's called good, better, how. And so if you're gonna build a strategic evaluation practice. All you would do after each practice in each game is ask yourself, good, better, how? So here's where you start. You say, what did I do well today? And then you want to like really write down all the stuff you did well. And on a bad day when you've like been struggling a little bit, it can be really tough. Most athletes go like, I didn't do anything great. So, well, what did you do well? What did you do okay? Did you show up on time? Did you try your hardest? Did you stay engaged even though you were having a hard time? So an athlete would write down all the things they did well. And the reason that's important is because our filter gets skewed. If I only ever pay attention to what I need to get better at, then I automatically assume that I didn't do anything very good today. And that can be really damaging to confidence and trust long-term. And so we're building the ability to see success first. So you answer good, then you go to better and you pick one thing you're going to do better tomorrow. And I phrase it that way because too often athletes will be like, here's what I sucked at today. I'm like, no, 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 no. What are you going to do better tomorrow? It's already phrased positively and in the future so that I can think about in practice tomorrow, here's what it's going to look like. You pick one thing because you really want to be able to focus on one particular thing, right? I want to make sure that my elbow is in tight on my jump shot, or I want to make sure I snap my wrist. I want to make sure that when I get frustrated, I stay engaged when it's easy for me to just lose focus, whatever it is, you pick one. And then the how is giving yourself a concrete plan for how that's going to happen tomorrow. Are you going to write it on a rubber band and put it around your wrist to remind you? Are you going to write it on the inside of your shoe? Right. Are you going to like set aside time before practice to do a specific drill to work on that thing? So now what I've done is I've built 
a, a filter that acknowledges success first. I've done my deliberate practice work by picking one thing I'm going to improve tomorrow. And then I have a plan already so that tomorrow when I get to practice or training, I don't have to think about how am I going to get better? I already know how I'm going to get better. It only takes, you know, once you've done it a bunch, it only takes two or three minutes. And it's one of the best two or three minutes that you could invest in your own sport performance every single day. Yeah, I agree. That's a really good um, technique. And it's like, kind of like reflecting on the good things and the bad things and just trying to improve yourself every day. Um, when, and the catch is, right, it's not what did I do bad? It's what am I going to do better tomorrow? And so it's building a frame of positivity, but it's not everything's great, right? It's, you know, there was some good, there was also some stuff I want to improve. Here's how I'm going to improve. And so we're building the type of mindset we want to see in an athlete with those boundaries set up so that it's not left up to chance. Mm -hmm. Well, that's all my questions. And thank you for being here again. And I'm going to link your Instagram and website below. Um, check out Dr. K's website if you're interested in improving your performance. He has blogs and info on there that is super relevant to sports. And he also coaches athletes online for your convenience if you ever decide to get in contact with him. Um, I think he had great advice and thanks again. Hey, Brandon, I really appreciate your time. This was a blast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Mind Design Sports Podcast. Before you leave, please show some love for the podcast by subscribing, liking, and commenting. Stay tuned for next month's podcast with a new guest speaker.